Hashtag you don't have to be Jewish. All right, let's get right to it with Jonathan. Good morning and welcome and thank you for joining us. Morning, Brooks. Such a pleasure. And I'm a fan of your writing. If any of your listeners haven't read Brooks and Maverick, I'm giving you a commercial after this game one. I, I, I didn't pay him a cent for that either. <laughs> not a cent. Not a, not a cent. Yeah. Hi. Great to, great to see you. Okay. All right. Brooks, let's to speak to you, everyone. Let's get to the topic of how, in fact, do you teach corporate, res- not social responsibility as in giving a grant, but the bigger corporate responsibility in a, in a complex, tumultuous world. How do you, how do you convey great. that? Yeah, it's such, a, it's such a great question. You know, when, when you start talking about teaching, you think, okay, I've got a teacher. They're going to teach me a block of things that I'm going to use for some time in the future. So you get all this knowledge and you think, yeah, yeah, that's great. And now I have this knowledge and I'm going to put it into practice. But as some famous academics said, the the knowing doing gap is is the problem we have here, the knowing doing gap. Because just because you know something, as we all know, doesn't mean you're going to put it into practice. So when people talk about, can you teach leadership? uh, A lot of people say, oh, you can't teach it, it's born in. But, But I ask, can you learn leadership? And obviously you can. And could you, could you accelerate the learning leisure? Well, yes, you can do that too. So we have to rethink what teaching means. So for corporate, uh, corporate responsibility, particularly ethical stuff, a lot of it's to do with experiential learning, modeling, cases, watching, being observant, and a lot of self-monitoring. So there are some elements you need to teach. There's some frameworks that are important to, to understand. Then you've got to look at some cases, but mainly, it's been, uh, you have to catch people in the act, as it were, doing things right and wrong and start to debrief it in the moment and to have to simulate that in learning environments. And that's the best way for people to really change their behavior. And there's one other thing, unless people understand the consequences of action, because we often live in abstract concepts, but the consequences of corruption are huge and massive on people's like, everyday lives. You know, you drive through a municipality and you suddenly notice there's no street lamps on a main road. And, and I, this happened to me recently. And you wonder why. And it's probably because money hasn't been used well or it's been taken off. And so instantly you see that people are dying because money's been taken into somebody's, you know, cars or house or whatever through, through malfeasance and misappropriation. So it's understanding there are very real social consequences and economic consequences that we don't do enough of. And teaching that long answer to such a short question. No, not at all. Because I mean, it opens up a door to all kinds of other questions. Uh, yeah. You're not teaching business at uh, business processes. You're teaching philosophy. Yeah, I mean, living philosophy, accountability, or awareness, or just good, what, what's good citizenship mean? You know, because the old Milton Friedman model of you know shareholder capitalism, where you know we pay off the people who've invested and. The, business, the, the purpose of a business, if you like, is to make a profit. You know, the purpose of a business is not to make a profit. That's not a purpose of a business. You know, that's what a business should do. But you, your purpose of a business is whatever the purpose of your business is, creating value for people through whatever it is you deliver and offer them that's going to enhance their lives. And if you don't make a profit out of that, then somebody's got to pick up the mess for you. And it, it's just sheer irresponsibility. To, to manage your organization in such a way you can't make profits and you can't grow and you can't accelerate the good that you're doing. And the question there is, is are you doing any good in your business? And, and that's another whole area we need to look at as well. And, and of course, many businesses don't. So yes, it's philosophical in a sense, but 
it's you know the impact on people on me and you it's not philosophical at all it's extremely concrete you know, learning goes from a concrete world into an abstract world where you theorize about you know experiences you had what consequences consequences are then you create a model of what you're going to teach or learn and you bring it back into a concrete world and people have to see the consequences unless we are indeed just going to be philosophers of ethics and not actors of ethics. I, I can hear, I can almost hear somebody sitting at home listening to this saying, oh, that's all well and good for, you know, all you fuzzy-minded intellectuals and academics. I've got a business <laughs> to run. Life is hard. It's dog-eat-dog dog out there. I have to survive till next Friday and make the payroll and pay all my bills. I haven't got time for this nonsense. Well, I, I haven't always been an academic. Um, I, I, I was a pilot, but then now I work for very large aerospace companies selling airliners in Africa and the Middle East. And I can assure you that that sort of business is, is rife with ethical challenges. And these issues were coming to the fore all the time. So I understand people saying, I haven't got time, you know, let's pay a bribe. You know, it's more, it's, it's more practical, I'll get the job or whatever. But when you have a system that's skewed in that sense, where people are not giving incentives to the people who can do a job well, or people who've trained how to do a job, what you're doing in that is for your short-term expediency, you're limiting your horizon to your business, your, pro your profit, whatever, and that's sometimes very urgent. But what you're doing is you're creating a consequence, not for society, but for your kids, for my kids, because you're skewing the whole fabric of business to allow people who are incompetent, who are preferential, who are not able to do the job, but who have influence to take the money and use it and very often squirrel it offshore in extractive corruption, which is the worst of all, where you're taking this money and taking it out of the system. There's no multiplier effect of its expenditure. And what you're doing, you're, you're colluding in a system. We love to deny that we're not part of that. But part of accountability is to understand the impact we have on ourselves and, and start at home. You know, you, we can't all live in a privileged environment. We have to have a society in South Africa where people have opportunity if this economy is going to grow and if, people, if it's really going to sustain itself. There's no way around that. And that's, tough as, that's as tough as it comes, of course. You're listening to Deep Dive with Brooke Spector, and my, one of my guests today is Jonathan Foster Pedley, Dean and Director of the Henley Business School in Africa. This is the Deep Dive with Brooke Spector. And you are indeed back with Brooke Spector. That's me. And this is the Deep Dive. And our guest right now is Jonathan Foster Pedley who is Dean and Director of the Henley Business School, and I should have also mentioned earlier, Chairman of the British Chamber of Commerce in South Africa. So you have experience, you've got a foot in academia, you got, and you have history in, in the business world, as you've explained, and you have, I guess, a hand in somehow bridging the gap between business and the larger society as well, because a Chamber of Commerce in a foreign nation doesn't just represent the business end of things it represents the whole society back to business. Jonathan, are you there? Did we lose you? I was a mirage. Okay. No, moving lip. Myself on mute. So no, there we are. Sorry about that. You are there. That's okay. Um, I suddenly I saw your lips move and I went, oh my goodness, we've been we we've been attacked by gremlins. But no, you are here. No, uh, Self-mutism. Um, yeah, yeah, I understand. Technology is, is is really is really something of a of a pleasure to work with. Sometimes I usually do this show from my kitchen table, uh, where I have everything <laughs> have everything under control except when the electricity goes out, as it did this morning. 
So we, uh, yeah. we are here in a studio instead. Tell me, talk to I'm me. Harry Arbrook, Harry Arbrook, sorry to interrupt, talking about uh, social corporate responsibility and corporate responsibility. And we're talking about power cuts. Now, you know, the consequence of that, you know, we often think we have no agency. It's just me. You know, why should I throw this one starfish back? But when you talk about chambers of commerce or large organizations, you're talking about collectives. And what we have to do, it's a competitive world, of course, but let's not be cynical about it. We have to collaborate to make the pie bigger or better. And then we compete to chew it up, to eat it. You know, and we get this confused. Collaboration is critically important. And when you're talking about ethics and values, which are the way in which we change masses of humans' behaviors, not just one, you know, normative control rather than just rules-based control, values really affect people. So the whole idea of values is to understand consequences. What, what is the effect of us making these pragmatic decisions to, to cut corners? And when you're more senior, more responsible, or more engaged in society, you realize that nobody can, uh, you, you have to have the values that prevent people from doing that. So this is a big part of how you teach corporate responsibility. You show consequences and you ask people what they stand for in their life. Anyway, that's a little bit serious this time of the morning, but there we are. No, no. I mean, this time of the morning is perfectly right to be serious because people haven't been worn down by the day yet. They're still, they're still <laughs> ready for ideas. Tell me a little bit about the way in which uh, your students, I guess you still call them students, even though a lot of them are, are mid-career at this point. They're coming in, they're already working hard, and they're doing this to become more effective. Tell me how they react and how they try to put this this set of learning behaviors to work and what kind of successes do you, do, you, do, you, do you get from this? Well, we do a lot of work at Henley with um, corporates and um, with senior management teams and in-house, in-house development for senior teams and many others. And these are normally spread out over a period of time. And why I explain this is because you learn something, then you have a gap where you apply and think and practice and you reflect. We build in a lot of reflective. Then you come back to learn some more and talk about what you've done. So the learning domain is partly in the classroom or the TV screen, partly inside yourself where you are with teaching people to reflect and think of it and journal, and partly in the domain outside at work and in family and in society larger where people are acting. And what you, you, you design the learning to affect all those and for people to reflect on all those. And so it's not like sitting in a classroom learning. We, none of us got time to do that anymore. We're living real lives in real time. What we need are tools that we can really use. And in fact, there's even a couple of tools from flying that we use to teach uh, corporate um, responsibility. That's, um, you know, captains of aircraft, you know, you don't want them crashing, crashing their aircraft any more than you want captains of industry crashing their companies or industries. And so we use some of the same techniques, which I'll explain to you if you like, to get um, teams of managers to be aware of the things they deny or they don't want to look at and to get them to understand that. And we've only, you know, like I have to say McKinsey or, or KPMG, what we saw in the state capture time, the consequences of active actions there that seem pragmatic, seem good for the company, were devastating for the company, devastating and for the industry. And we have to stop people doing that. That's not leadership. I don't know what it is. But it's, it's some sort of um, distorted sense of achievement. It's not what we need to create. And it damages everybody. And it's wonderful that the consequences are now seen in corporates. And so the great leaders now start to raise a consciousness about what to do. I can, there's a very nice little acronym I can, I can share with you if you want to, that, that, that airline captains use. Yeah. And it's called, um, it's called PACE. 
So it's like, well, shall I sign off these accounts? Said the accountant to, to the senior accountant. Yeah, if we, we, if we don't, we're not going to get paid and I'll have to close down my department. Oh, right, okay. And so we sign off the accounts. But in, in airlines, what happens is, so I'm going a bit slow, the co-pilot says to the captain, oh, we are 148 knots as probing. And the captain's supposed to say, oh my goodness, we're 148 knots, stall speed's 140, I better, you know, put on power. And if there's no response, then, then the, the co-pilot's supposed to alert the captain and say, captain, we're going a bit slow, and if we don't... Um, put on power, we're going to stall and, and, and crash. And at that point, so that pace, PA, at that point, the captain's supposed to say, oh, well, I'm definitely going to put on power. And if the captain doesn't do that, you go to the sea, which is challenge. Captain, we're going to crash in 40 seconds if we don't put on power. We must put on power now. I insist you put on power. Put on power or I shall take control. And at that point, the captain's getting a bit red-faced and annoyed and embarrassed and should put on power. But if the, if the captain doesn't, and there was a horrible story about a captain who didn't because he was having a stroke at the time, and there was a crash, and the, and the co-pilot didn't challenge him. And at that point, you declare an emergency, and you, 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 you take an emergency, you execute, you say, Captain, I have control. Now, in corporate systems, we don't do that. When you've got a high power dynamic in a corporate environment, a very high power difference, people, you know, junior people don't challenge the boss, but they must because... The boss now is a captain of industry crashing his company. And you have to say, sir, I, we shouldn't sign up or whatever, madam, we shouldn't sign off these accounts. These, let's not sign off these accounts. And, and then you alert them. If we sign off these accounts, we're going to damage the reputation of the business and we might go to court. And then if, um, if the CEO doesn't respond, then, then the challenger, she'll say something like, um, well, if you if you don't if you do sign off these accounts, I'm going to raise it with the audit board. Or I'm going to I'm going to raise it with the press, and we mustn't do this. And if necessary, we should have a mechanism where that CEO's power is usurped. And of course, we don't have that, but it works in aviation to lower the power distance. And when you have these critical judgment calls, you can't have autocratic single-item people, uh, single-issue people working on them. You have to have a collective thought on it. And that's the dynamic that we that we work on 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 um, in boards with to get people to understand that. So we teach people in simulated situations with real case studies of what happened, a bit like a flight simulator, to go through these board dynamics, to go through these tough decisions, to go through what happens inside me when I first oh I'm I'm not doing anything wrong, and then oh well I'll do it this time, but my horizon is just at the limit of the business, not not on society. Or they say, well, I'm going to I'm going to collude with this. I'm just going to go along with this and not going to mention it. And then you get the sort of final level, which is you, you, the criminal actors who are deeply engaging in this and are, are highly deceptive. Most of us will sit in a denial sort of uh, advanced lip service phase. Oh, I don't think there's a problem here. And we're not taught to look at the consequences. So if your vision is a boundary of a company, you can't be a CEO anymore. Your, your vision has to be the society you live in because you're, a, you're an actor in that. And that's what sustainability is all about. And um, actually, very likely, you, you only gonna, you're going to be safer, but very likely you're going to do a lot better businesses and people are going to want to do business with you. The transparency is so high these days. Who wants to do business with those companies that have been so tarnished in the last few years? It's really damaged them. So well, this is a great opportunity for us. We're speaking with Jonathan Foster Pedley of Henley Business School at British Chamber of Commerce. And uh, we're running out of we're running out of time for this sequence, but this this segment. But I wanted to to take the 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 lesson that you had this had described, 
and an errant thought, a wicked thought has crossed my mind. Might have been nice if you'd offered that module on corporate responsibility to all the deputies working with Vladimir Putin. <laughs> There's that wonderful thing. I mean, oh, you're wicked. It's that thing that um, Khrushchev, there was a big Communist Party assembly and uh, Khrushchev was denouncing Stalin. And then somebody said from the audience, said, and why didn't you denounce him at the time? And uh, Khrushchev looked out and said, who said that to the mass thousands? And silence. And then he said, that's why yeah. I didn't denounce him at the time. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it's dangerous work. <laughs> no, it is. I mean, one, one last question. I got just about a minute left. Mm. But one thing that strikes me uh, is that the, the criticism is often that businesses and business leaders are almost morbidly focused on the next quarter, the, the bottom line for that quarter or maybe the year, rather than a much larger time horizon or a bigger uh, space. Uh, is, is, that, is that a problem from your perspective? Well, well, of course it is. But in a sense, you, in a sense, it's very hard to blame corporate leaders for that because the dynamic of the stock market, the assessments, the way we value is wrong. We value profits and growth rather than prosperity. And there's a very good uh, writer called Colin Mayer, who's a professor at Said Business School, who's written a book called Prosperity. And that's worth a read because he talks about how to change corporate law, corporate targets, really focus on the actual purpose, the value generating purpose of a business and the corporate law changes and financial regulation changes that could be put in place to 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 make those changes. Um, so, you know, we're living in a system that we're all we're all part of. But the point is, that's the system we now need to change, uh, whether you like it or not, and how impractical and impossible that is. That system is not a sustainable system in my the way I see it uh, for the next 10 or 20 years. We have to look, the consequences are more global. We are more interdependent in the actions that we have. And, and if you make a, not only do you get found out easier, but you can see the consequences on people, particularly in South Africa. You know you're hurting people with these actions. And that's not the way to be. That's not the, the modeling we need to do for our kids. And that's not dignified either for an individual. We actually have to stand up and, and take on these changes, however cynical people are, or however they hard to put it down. It's tougher to be tragically optimist, optimistic, as Viktor Frankl would, would say, rather than sort of happily, can I say, cynical, if you can be that paradox. You know, you've got to, you've got to, you've got to, got to step up, you know, there's no question. I, I, I could go on for hours with you on this, but uh, unfortunately, time is against us. It's been a, it's been a, it's been a pleasure and an honor and, and a, and an education all compressed into a few minutes. Uh, we've been speaking with Jonathan Foster Pedley, Henley Business School, British Chamber of Commerce, former airplane salesman, I discover. Yes, and pilot. Can you believe it? <laughs> the pilot I knew, actually, but the, the other right. I, wasn't, I wasn't aware. And uh, it's been a real pleasure, and I, I think lots of stuff to think about for the rest of us. Again, Jonathan, thanks very much, and we'll do that coffee real soon. Thanks, Brooks, and thank you for everyone for listening. It's a wonderful station, and it's been a privilege to be on your show, Brooks. Thank you. It's a pleasure.